Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about addiction, but more importantly, about recovery. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. You are listening to episode 12 of We Do Recover. I'm your host, Jared Miller. Today, I'm joined by your co-host and our medical expert, the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Terry Sellers. Good morning, everybody. I'm also joined by the man that makes this whole thing possible. He is our media maestro, our producer, Sean Denovan. Oh, hey, hi. I, I just showed up. What's going on? Uh, <laughs> We're doing a podcast. <laughs> oh, Welcome hey. to the show, Sean. Thanks. Good to be here. Listen, I have a powerful featured guest for you today. She is not an addict in recovery herself, but she is a major player in being part of the solution. She is the founder of Switchpoint and Crossover Recovery, Carol Hollowell. Thanks. Thanks for having me. We Beautiful. are super honored to have you on. This podcast is recorded in sunny St. George, Utah. Episode 12, part one, is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. If your loved one needs help, give them a call. 801-800-8142. Let's check in. Dr. Sellers. I see you got those pearly whites, buddy. How's your week going? Well, my week's interesting, but it's been a good week. It's been kind of busy. I uh, got my teeth, my bottom teeth all transplanted or implanted <laughs> or whatever. I'm finally over all of that stuff. The pain's still there a little bit, but not too bad. Uh, other than that, I don't have a car yet. I haven't bought a new car from having totaled my car a few weeks ago, but I think I get one tonight, so that'll be fun. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, Should didn't we agree that this was the check-in was going to be new and goods? New, a new car is good. Oh yeah, okay. New okay. teeth are good. Hey, hey, I hear you on yeah. that. I yeah. hear you. Both on that. those things are new and good. Let's get Carol in the mix. Carol, what's going on? Yeah. What's new and good with you? Ah, uh, let's see. New and goods. Um, hmm. I used to do these all the time. I should still probably do them. New and goods. Well, I just heard from uh, my son uh, in Afghanistan, and he's doing good. So Montana. Uh, Montana. Yeah, my son Montana. He's deployed in Afghanistan, and so right when I was driving over here, he called me. So that's always exciting to hear from your soldier. So yeah, absolutely. That's good. She shared with me Montana got some kind of like... Oh, he got a really cool medal. Yeah. It's called a coin from his colonel for being a special ops, which I can't tell you anything else. I'd have to kill you. But yeah, top sure. secret. Yeah, top sure, secret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or he could probably kill me just by looking at me. <laughs> yeah, probably. I've seen him, dude. Yeah. He'd be in trouble. <laughs> he looks like Mr. Bean. Truly. <laughs> <laughs> but they always look like that. Those, spe you know, Fun. those guys can't judge a book by its cover. Sean, what's new and good with you, dude? Um, still waiting to get my house built. You're building a house. I'm trying to build a house. Do you I, need to I, borrow a hammer? I, I need a hammer. I have papers with drawings on them. And, okay. now, and now we're trying to find out how much stuff's going to cost, and that's taking forever. Oh, that hurts. So what's new is, well, well lumber's up 300%. That's new. <laughs> well, that's, that's good for them. That's hey, not, that's that's not good, good for you. That is not good for you. <laughs> You're smart oh, well. to build in St. George. You buy a house that's already built, man, and they're gonna, it's going to be a pretty penny. It's expensive to live here. Oh, well, that's why we're building in Tocqueville. Nice. That's a good idea. Yeah, I can't afford living. I can work in St. George, but I can't live in St. George. Yeah. See, I can accredit myself by being surrounded by smart people. I'm not real smart, right? But that's smart of you, Sean. You it go. is. It yeah. is. And you're right. I mean, no, I mean, no. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Terry's in house. Dr. Sellers. All right. What do we got? Let's, let's get into it. Okay. Into so it. let me, uh, let me start off with this. I met Carol about 
like five minutes ago. I very I know very little about her, which is going to be great because I like I actually like being blind in an interview anyway. I don't want a bunch of um, prearranged stuff that we've talked about. Nothing before. canned here, right? Buddy. I don't do that. I don't. I don't want to do that. I want to sort of learn along with uh, anyone listening. So we're going to start with who's Carol. Tell me who Carol is. Oh, Carol, born on Christmas Eve. That's why my name's oh, Carol. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, because I always hated my name, and then I went, no, wait a second, you know, I like Christmas Carol, Christmas so I'll go with that. Carol. Yeah, um, I'm from Bend, Oregon. Okay. I moved Beautiful here. place to uh, play golf. Gorgeous place to play golf, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Many, many golf courses, but you only play for, you know, about five months of the year because yeah, it's always sure. cold. Yeah. Um, lived there most of my life until 11 years ago. We uh, decided to go somewhere warm and sunny and threw a dart at a map and ended up in St. George. So haven't regretted anything. What if you had thrown a dart at a map and it landed on someplace cold? You'd have picked the dart out and no, thrown we it again? No, we were throwing south. That's what we were doing. Okay. Throwing, throwing south. <laughs> throwing, okay, I got you. Got you. Yeah, so um, that's how we ended up here um, about, uh, yeah, a little over 11 years ago. And when you said transplanted teeth, um, you know, earlier I was like, oh, um, you can transplant organs and that's really what kind of got me down here was i gave a kidney uh, away to a little girl and um wow. so you don't implant a, a, a kidney well i guess i guess you sort of do yeah, yeah. yeah. but um that's not the same thing. yeah because we had no, we didn't know anybody um you know that was in saint george but she was in salt lake at the time um of donation and i thought oh my gosh i have four boys i'd love to be around a little girl and so we thought oh let's let's move somewhere south that's kind of close to utah and they were like oh st george is in utah but it's south enough that it doesn't feel like it so yeah. here, here we are very interesting yeah wait tell me about how the transplant came about i don't so i was trying to help my uncle okay and we were a good match but not a perfect match and so we tried um you know this is back when they thought everything had to be exact. Sure. And now they've come a long way, you know, 11 years has, sure. has changed a lot of things, but we um, were kind of getting frustrated after two years and the University of Utah said to me, hey, what if you just gave it to anybody and we'll, it's called pay it forward and we'll move your uncle up to the top of the list. Wow. And, oh, that's and then he could get next. That's interesting sounding like yeah, pay wheeling forward. and dealing wheeling and dealing kidneys. but no payment yeah no payments allowed <laughs> yeah. it's hey, black listen, market baby you give us a kid yeah, exactly. we'll move your uncle so forward. i said sure and they called me the very next week and said we have a perfect match can you come back and so we drive all the way back on mother's day um from from oregon back to salt lake and they said do you want to meet who you're giving it to yeah sure and i thought it was just going to be an adult you know sure who else am i giving it to sure and I walked in and it was this little two year old. Oh my she goodness. pats me on the head and she says, you're my new best friend. <laughs> oh. Sold, sold. Sold, have them all, take it every, whatever you need, yeah. whatever you need. I got a pancreas too, yeah. have some lungs. Yeah, and need you know what, my, my uncle got his a week later. Oh, And see? so how cool is that? Beautiful it, story. It's a beautiful story. It's a great story that people, if, if, I think if people understood that they could give it to anybody that needed it next, that it helps their loved one instead of trying, always trying to match within your own family. It was a, it was a great experience for me um, that kind of catapulted me into what I'm doing now. So interesting. What a great story. I mean, I, I know a lot of people that have done a lot of things that pay it forward, but you wouldn't think of a kidney as being on that sort of Pay it list of list. things to pay it forward with. Yeah, I'm yeah. worried about giving away one of my kidneys. Why? Why? As a doctor, why? Well, what if one of them stops working? What if? Then you go to the top of the list. 
I mean, uh, so what? Maybe. What's the chance? Yeah, maybe. If you keep drinking Dr. Pepper, it's going to give out. Oh, I, love, oh, I like this Zinga. lady. I I'm like not her. stopping anytime yeah. soon, so don't worry about that. <laughs> That'll be, uh, I'll, I'll pay for that at some point. Yeah. No question. Yeah. <laughs> but don't ask me to stop. Yeah, okay. I have, I have very few bad vices left. That's not true at all, but I've given up my worst vices for sure. Yeah. So i got to hold on to one or two of them. Yeah. Um, okay, so you wind up giving away a kidney in Salt Lake, mm-hmm. moving to St. George, Utah. Yep. Um, okay, tell me your tell me a little bit about your family. Um, so my uh, I have a husband. We've been married thirty two years. That's how you get kids. I That's think. Usually, I, well, sometimes. <laughs> uh, well, anyways, I'll give you something. This is an addiction show, not a sex show. Oh, just kidding. Just kidding. Well, I just try to educate the audience how this all works. So I have four We boys. get more listeners if yeah, it's exactly. a sex show. Come on. Yeah. Right. Sean even perked up in yeah, the corner he did. over there he, he when he heard the word sex. It's off like, air. Yeah. hey, great, we got sex going on. <laughs> Sorry. So my four boys um, are uh, 31 to 23. Ooh. And two of them live in Boise, uh, Idaho. And then um, one's in Afghanistan and, and then one's at uh, SUU up in Cedar. Oh, sweet. Yeah. My husband's a pilot. Of course, that hasn't uh, been working out so great right now during COVID. Yeah. And so he's my number one volunteer at Switchpoint. And um, so, yeah, I, my, I was born and raised in Oregon, uh, as was my husband. But we, we met at Oregon State and go Beavers, and mm-hmm. uh, which is why everything that is that switch point is orange in case you were wondering. Oh, makes sense now. Do you get that? Cause yeah. I hate the ducks. Boo. On the ducks. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know why I'm wearing all blue today, right? Uh, Cause I saw you had a BYU on your yeah, hat. BYU, yeah. BYU place today. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm wearing all yeah. blue. So I did go to BYU for one year and was oh. on their ski team. Uh, when, wow. when Bob and I broke up and then I went back to the beavers after, you know, I reconstructed we, that we, when we got back together yeah. we went ah, okay i'll go back yeah okay. so, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah yeah okay. so yeah so that's uh, a little bit about my, my family so four boys in a family no girls i have one daughter-in-law and uh my oldest is married but no grandkids i've got five grand dogs so ah, that's about nice. it yeah we need some grandkids don't we yeah but they're not ready. I've got grandkids and they're great. I know. I've they're been the waiting. Greatest. <laughs> they're waiting. way better than kids. Yeah. I actually come from a four boy family. Those are tough families. It's yeah. a, it was a lot of testosterone. Yeah, uh-huh. that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. But yeah. uh, there's a lot of things that boys are okay at. There's yeah. a lot of there's things no they're drama. not. There's no. Yeah, drama. there's way less drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. If a boy slides into second base and skins their knee, you pick him up and you slap him on the butt and say, run run to third. And if a girl does that half the time, she wants you to say it's the worst injury you've ever Ever seen. seen. Yeah. 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 Uh, Okay. So um, let's start into what happened after you moved to St. George. So um, we, the reason we were moving was because my husband and I were in the development company and um, we had uh, lost our shorts, uh, and everything else with it during the 2008 Wait, cr- what does that crisis. Mean? We went bankrupt. Completely. No, 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 no. I knew that what that meant. We were, we're in a development company. Oh, uh, so we owned a mortgage company and we developed, um, land, land complexes. Okay. Yeah. We, so we, we built a lot of things. And so, um, it, um, was pretty devastating. And so that's why we were looking for somewhere that was completely different. It was hard to see kind of your, 
you know, everything you built up, your empire yeah, crumble, sure. you know. Yeah, in 2008, and, a lot of people lost a lot. That was yeah, a terrible year. It was a terrible year. And, and you know, um, six of our friends uh, committed suicide. Oh. And there was a, just so much devastation, you know, with um, within. And, and St. George was very similar, right, with everything was kind of predicated on, on the real estate market right. as was bent. And there, that we were looking for something that was similar. I like the size of the town. I like a lot of outdoorsy stuff. And so that's what was really drawing, um, for us for St. George. Okay. But, um, on the other hand, there were still a lot of foreclosures and bankruptcies here right, right as well. Right. And so then how do you pick yourself up? And, um, so having gone through mass depression, total mass depression, you know, um, leaving everything and, and coming here, leaving my family. Um, you know, my parents are still in Bend, but, um, I just had to kind of reach deep down and go, what, what can I do to feel like I can survive this? And, um, the first thing that came to my mind was find people worse off than yourself, Nice, (laughs) you know? And so, um, because if you're always going to compare yourself to the haves and the haves nots, you always be depressed because somebody will always have more than you. Right. right? And so that really started my journey, you know, to be honest is, um, I, Bob and I were, uh, we live in Bloomington. And so we were always walking out with our dogs out, um, by Moe's, um, Valley and, and Bear Claw Poppy. And there was some homeless that were camping out there. And, um, so we just started going to Great Harvest and getting their day old bread and taking out bread and just, you know, just talking to people. And then I went, you know what? I think I, I can do something. I can, I can do something different. And, um, one day I was, I was driving, I I ended up getting a job at Five County Association of Government as their volunteer director. And that meant that I was in charge of all of the TUCON volunteers and and the marathon, which should be tomorrow, but no, Um, you know, and and Ironman volunteers, all the fun stuff. But we also had a lot of court ordered volunteers who, you know, had uh, been caught public intoxication, a DUI. And so they were coming in as volunteers as well. We called them volunteers. Yes, they're court ordered (laughs) uh, to do their service hours. They were volunteered. And then I'd go, but where are you living? I'm homeless. Here? I I thought we had a homeless shelter. And so at that moment, I thought, I I just got to figure something out, you know, and so anyways, I was driving to work one morning and I saw um, a gentleman that was really scruffy looking, obviously homeless and living behind the library in an alley. And he was in a wheelchair and I just, some for some reason, you know, it was raining and it was probably five in the morning. And uh, I just rolled down my window and go, hey, do you need help? Where are you going? I'm going to Smith's. That's where I warm up and get my coffee. And I just thought, today's the day. Let's do this. I said, get in the car, which now I tell my staff, don't ever do that. Yeah, <laughs> You're brave probably not woman. always yeah. the safest idea, probably but okay. Not, you know, especially as, as a woman and, you know, I don't know this guy, but I just threw him in the car and, um, in the seven and a half hours that I spent with, with Ray that day, um, there was a, there was a switch in me that occurred and I thought, this is ridiculous that we can't take this person from being homeless for five years in the city of St. George into being housed. And damn it, I'm gonna figure out how to do this. And it took seven and a half hours and I'm I'm tenacious. You know, I, I don't like being told no if there's no good reason to be told no. Which that. means why can't you give me his ID? Yeah. I mean, we go to the bank and they won't give us a copy of his ID even though you know that he has 
that they've got a picture of him. Sure. Yeah. Nope, can't do that. Sorry, ma'am. We go to the the jail. He'd been arrested 63 times that year for public intoxication or trespassing or lip public littering because his sleeping bag was underneath the bushes. Nope, can't give you a picture of his ID. And spend an hour and a half at Social Security. We finally get a copy of his Medicare you know, card. Um, he did have some money. He was making 1100 a month, but because he had no ID, no one would let him stay in a hotel. No one would give him an apartment. Sure. And um, so he had lost his wallet is the end of the story. Lost his wallet five years earlier and he was in a wheelchair and he couldn't figure out how to get to, to the DMV. Wow. He didn't have the resources to didn't help him. Didn't have the resources. And, yeah. and, and what happens is um, there's a real big connection between homelessness, depression, uh, substance abuse. It's all intertwined, isn't it? And um, he becomes overwhelmed. So now it turns into survival instead of problem solving. Yeah. So I came in that day and said, well, I, I, I don't have that overwhelming feeling. So let me see if I can problem solve. Ray, do you trust me today? Yes. Yes, ma'am. By the time we got to the DMV, he's exhausted and he's frustrated too. But he was kind of watching how we went from step to step to step. And I begged them to give us a copy, even though we only had one other thing, which was his Medicare thing. And he has no mail. How's he going to have any mail? Right. And we finally got them to give us a temporary ID. And Ray looked at that picture and he just started crying. And he says, that's me. <laughs> he hadn't seen himself on something legitimate with his name on it sure. for five years. Wow. And I said, oh my God, I, I just found my new. I think I have a calling. I have a calling. Thank you. I mean, I, I felt so moved that day that I thought, I, I, I can't give this up. And so I went to the city and I said, you got to help me. And here's my idea, and I can't stop thinking about it. I'm up all night. And they went, that's a pretty good idea. And so um, Switchpoint really came about because of that experience and um, being able to say it takes one-on-one -on -one involvement. Looking at somebody's barriers and saying, Jared, what is it, buddy? Maybe I can solve it because I'm, I'm not in it. Right. And so we take them one at a time and we're meeting each client where they're at and we're saying, how do I help you even overcome one of those barriers today? And that became the switch point model. And so uh, we opened up in September of 2014, the city, we used some CDBG grant money to, to buy the old Sunhawk Academy building on Sunset and 1300 West. And um, we've seen about 6,200 clients so far in our six oh. years of being open. And it really, um, I feel like changed the model of how you treat homelessness. Yeah. So now we've been asked to go to Tooele. So we, we sure. opened up in Tooele in July, uh, Salt Lake's calling going, mm, sure. that's, that's kind of a, a different strategy instead of treating them like a band aid effect, right? Where right. line up, get your bed, you're kicked out the next morning. Right. Nothing changes. Right. For well, any of us. You talk, you talk about you, it really set kind of the groundwork or, or the status quo for how to treat homelessness. Mm -hmm. Now I understand it because of our relationship, but explain what that is because there people that are listening to this podcast might go, well, we're just enabling them or whatever, right? Maybe they have a different perspective on it, but what they don't know is it's treated completely different. We're not, this isn't a give out. This isn't a, yeah. so go ahead and explain that. Cause it's your, sure. Um, one thing that I really felt strongly about was taking away entitlement. Mm -hmm. um, we have trained since uh, the depression, you know, back in, in the 20s and 30s, we have trained people to stand in line. 
and to become entitled. Mm-hmm. And it's really our own damn fault, right? Yeah. And so we took that away and I treated it like I did my four boys. And, and I have to say that I have four really nice boys and they all learned how to work, but nothing was given even when we had a lot of things, material things, and we had money, they still had to do uh, their own work, earn their own things, buy their own cars. Nothing was ever given to them, right? So I took that same mentality and said, no more entitlement. There's no more standing in line. If you need something, you lost your coat, you start working. So we created our own economy within SwitchPoint, which is which is unique, right? Switch bucks. Switch bucks, right. A little switch bucks. So it's kind of like Monopoly money. But so if I said, hey, I need you to work in the garden for an hour, but I'm going to pay you eight switch bucks to work that hour. Now go redeem them and get whatever you need out of either the thrift store or a little switch book store. So if you need a deodorant, you just earned it, right? So everything that they do is tied to their value. What it does is it creates value amongst them that they're not just, you know, free labor. No, I value you and I'm valuing you, valuing you more than minimum wage. Right. So I'm going to give you $8, not seven and a quarter. Right. And it's personal empowerment too, right? Absolutely. It's it's not, I'm Mm -hmm. taking pity on you. Here's because I'm up here and you're down here. It's look, I have an opportunity. Here you go. And here's the greatest thing about it is we have volunteers like yesterday, um, paparazzi accessories came in with a whole bunch of volunteers and helped us in the garden. The awesome thing about it is let's work alongside each other. Let's shoulder to shoulder this. And I'm not going to treat you paparazzi owner any different than I treat my resident who's living there and we're all pulling weeds together. And what does that do? And that, in my mind, it creates social capital to where bonding and that they are worth something more than just, Hey, I'm homeless and I've been hanging here for a month. So we start in, in, you know, trying to teach them the rules of, um, how to interact in a social environment, how to start valuing themselves because, you know, some of our, some of our residents have earned over a thousand switch bucks. Mm. And then what that means is, is that when they move into an apartment, they can then go get their, pick their own couch out of the thrift store. They can go get their own pots and pans out of our thrift store, but they got to choose it. So guess what they do? They take care of it better because it's not entitlement anymore. It's, I earn that. It's theirs. It's theirs. Right. 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 So, so it's more of, of using a parenting tactic, right? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So that's really where um, it, it's so, so different is to say, I have some expectations. And um, if you live at Switchpoint, there's going to be some accountability. So when, when someone comes in, I say, you know, Terry, do you understand this? You're going to live here. And here's, here's the expectations. Do you agree to these expectations? Yes, because I need somewhere to live. Great. That means you're going to meet with me every week. We have a standing date. We're meeting every week and I want to help you um, go through your action plan. You're setting the goals. This is all on you, buddy, but I'm here to be your advocate and to be your support system. But I'm also going to hold you accountable because if you don't want to do anything, you don't want to change your circumstance, then, then this isn't going to work for you. The name switch point really came about because when I told you, I felt a switch flip in me, like this is my calling and this is what I got to do. Um, we were really trying to come up with a name. I did not want it to have anything to do with hearts and caring and, and have a stigma connected to any other shelter. Right. right? right. And I thought, no, I want them to feel what I had felt that, that switch. And so on a train track, the switch point is the mechanism that changes the track to go one direction or the other. And so that's how we came up with the name switch point was to say, we want to be your switch point. 
And whichever direction you want to go, we're going to help you change that track, especially in addiction. If you have been going down the same path, you know, for 50 years and doing the same thing, unless you change something, you're going to keep right. getting the same result. Right. And so that's, that's how we came up with the name Switchpoint. That is that's seriously sweet. the coolest. That is awesome because I can see it in my mind, the track getting switched yep. over. Yeah. Yep. That's amazing. That is truly amazing. That's a great story. I love that so much. Carol, you are a powerhouse. Be sure to join us in episode 12, part two, to hear about her latest uh, passion project, Crossover Recovery. There's definitely a link between being homeless and addiction. And so join us in part two. We're going to get to that. For those of you listening in on this, if you're joining us Facebook Live, we appreciate it. If you don't have time to listen to the whole thing, be sure to check us out on any major podcast platform. While you're there, click the button, subscribe, leave us a comment. Like. Like the whole nine yards. Review. How about a love? There you go. Send us some love. We will yeah. see you guys in part two after this short break. Thank you. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery, and once you become of the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also gonna help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're gonna give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right, you're listening to part two, episode 12 of We Do Recover. We have an amazing featured guest for you, Carol Hollowell. She is the founder of Switchpoint and now Crossover Recovery. Episode 12, part two, is brought to you by Hilton Garden in St. George. It is always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn. If you're traveling through Southern Utah, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden in St. George, Utah. I promise you won't be disappointed to have amazing amenities. Guess where I stayed last night? Where? The Hilton Garden Inn. The Hilton Garden Inn. That and place is so nice. I've mentioned this before, but the night staff is so helpful and so accommodating. I've stayed there a few times, not that many times, but the night, the one of the guys that mans the front desk at night always remembers my name, always is so accommodating, always says something really nice, like, hey, I like your shirt. Yeah. Like, Are awesome. these the nights you get kicked out of your house? Oh, this is the nights that I'm in St. George. I don't get kicked out of my house anymore. Oh. I gave that lifestyle up long ago. There you go. So before we get into to Carol and hearing about her latest passion project, Crossover Recovery, we have a, a caller that called in, and uh, she's ready for you to address the call, Dr. Sellers. Are you Ask ready away. to get it? Sure. Here we go. This is Kaylee from Roy, Utah. Hi, Dr. Sellers. My name is Kaylee, and I'm calling from Roy, Utah. I love the podcast, and I look forward to listening to new episodes each week. Um, my question today is, what is the connection between substance abuse and mental illness? Uh, for example, can mental illness such as depression or anxiety 
cause addiction or does an addiction lead to mental illness? Just wanted to say thank you for taking my question um, and keep up the good work, guys. Thank you for calling that in, Kaylee. That yeah, is thanks, awesome Kaylee. Thanks for listening. Appreciate the shout out. That was nice. Uh, I, I want to first start out by saying that um, one of the implications in that question, I think, is a little bit off. And the thing is, does substance abuse cause addiction or does addiction cause substance abuse? The thing that causes. Nope. Sorry. Does substance abuse cause mental health issues or do mental health issues cause substance abuse? One of the things that I think that uh, we need to realize is that um, the thing that causes addiction is the fact that you're taking a substance that's addictive. Yeah. Okay? So, so we se- if we separate addiction from substance use or abuse, uh, I think that can be a helpful construct right there. Um, I, I have always, I've always said this. If you give me a thousand people and let me give them morphine for a month, I'll show you 1000 people addicted to morphine because the substance is addictive. Now there might be some people that hate it yeah, and want to get off of it at the end of the month, but they'll be addicted. I mean, they'll be at least physically dependent upon it, but if they don't have the same brain chemistry that I do, they might get off it a little easier and a little more quickly, but they will be at least physically dependent on it, right? So, um, but that that interplay between mental health and substance abuse is so complex that I don't know that you can accurately answer that question in a minute or two. There for sure are certain substances that if you abuse them can cause mental health issues. Like Mar- what? Marijuana is known okay. to increase your chances of getting schizophrenia or psychosis, losing touch with reality. Same thing with methamphetamine, known to cause, known to lead to occasionally uh, psychosis. That does not mean that everybody that takes methamphetamine or that smokes some pot gets those things. In fact, the numbers are fairly low, but they are higher than those who don't smoke pot or use methamphetamine, right? Um, we know opiates and alcohol are both depressants. And so they cause depression. Now the thing is they also numb everybody out. Right. And so, um, if you look at what life is, which is this sort of up and down swing of I'm what a great day today is and what a crappy day today is. Um, if you're spending tons of time down here in what a crappy day today is, alcohol will make you numb. And so numb actually turns out to be midway between it's a great day and it's a crappy day. And so numb to a lot of people that are spending all their time in what a crappy day this is, numb feels better to them. I hear you say numb and I think of the word cope, coping, right? Is that kind of, that's, that's the way I perceive it is well, they're, I, they're, they're not, they're having a rough time, right? They can't problem solve it like Carol's talked about. And so the easiest solution for them is just, I'm just going to cope with life by abusing a substance but i don't but i i think of cope differently maybe than you do right that's not really coping with the problem that's actually just pushing the problem away for a minute making it worse later, and then it'll come back yeah it's you're gonna get unnumb or unlost or whatever you want to call that you're gonna get unnumb at some point and the problem's still there in fact now if it was a problem of i haven't paid a bill for a long time 
now you're later on the bill than you were before you started drinking. With less money. So it just pushes that back, right? Now listen, there are some substances that also people use to treat their mental health conditions, right? When we just, I just talked about that a little bit, but even though something that you would call a depressant like alcohol or, or opiates, even though they don't actually help depression because they, they're, they're depressant, so they sort of make it worse, people use that stuff to get away from depression because, again, numb and depression are different. Right. And so they use it as something to counteract their depression. They use it as a sort of non-medical use of something to treat some of their mental health issues. Um, there's a bunch of other sort of drugs like that that people use to treat mental health. So they're poor uses of those substances, but that's what people are doing is medicating their, their mental health issues sometimes. So does one cause the other or the other cause the other? Nope. Sometimes people are using the substance to treat their mental health. Sometimes, sometimes the substances cause their mental health. I don't think you can say strictly one way or the other for sure. Yeah. There's an interplay there that Yeah, that, they're kinda intertwined. Yeah, for sure. I'm such a blessed guy. I'm sitting here next to a medical expert. Got Sean the producer, got Carol, foundation owner, an amazing just human being. Let's get let's get yeah, to I her love, latest love, passion project. I loved Carol's story. Can I tell you? Uh, absolutely. Can I tell you a quick story, really? For sure. I'll try to make it quick because we don't have a ton of time, and I want to get to Carol's project. But I remember my first encounter with a homeless guy. I was driving down the street in. It probably wasn't my first encounter, but I remember this encounter. I was driving down the street in Salt Lake, pouring. It was pouring rain, like torrential downpour, and I see this the person who appears to me to be homeless. And I thought, I'm going to pull over and I'm going to give this guy a ride in my car somewhere because he's getting drenched, right? And so I pulled over right next to him. It was 72nd South and 7th East, basically. Pulled over right next to him and I rolled my window down. I was wearing a, uh, you don't know me very well, but I wear super bright, colorful things. It's not today, but (laughs) a lot of times I have some really bright, colorful things. I was wearing a neon green shirt. I rolled my window down, and I think this guy, having been homeless for a while, was used to being maybe insulted and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I, I think he expected something negative from me. Rolled my window down like it's the like it's the 1950s. Like I did a. I was going window. okay. Um, I rolled my window down, and I said to the guy, "Hey, do you want to ride anywhere?" And he said man, that's an ugly shirt. Like immediately, like he came back <laughs> like that. He said, "Man, that's an ugly shirt," and then he after one second might have caught what I said. And he said, what'd you say? And I said, do you want me to give you a ride anywhere? It's really pouring rain. And he says, no, get a new shirt. And he walked <laughs> off. Can we get this guy's name? I like this guy. Already. I didn't ask his name. I didn't get time to ask his name. So I didn't form Switchpoint after that encounter with a homeless guy for some reason. But um, that know, was my encounter. Can I give you my story about my first encounter with sure. a homeless sure, person? But, sure. But you as got of, one minute as or two. Of myself, when I was homeless, I can really appreciate what Carol does. Because for those of you that don't know my story, there's a period of time in my life because of my addiction and my own choices, I was homeless. Downtown, Salt Lake City, Rio Grande District. It's funny because I hear people, even you've said on the podcast, living under a bridge. Most of the time we don't live under bridges. I can remember living between a bush and a wall because at least I had two places, two barriers. I remember that the number one place I mostly stayed at was in a parking garage in downtown Salt Lake City. And I would get between the bumper of the car and the concrete wall next to me to have two 
barriers. Mm -hmm. The fact that this lady is bringing people off the streets, giving them a place to stay, it's amazing. So thank you. Let's get into it. Okay, let's transition to your next passion project, apparently. Apparently. Crossover. So crossover recovery. Yeah, I love it out there so much. Um, Tell me how that interacts with the railroad. Yeah, see, you got to cross over the bridge. Okay. So um, really, we... As we went through our first four years of um, learning switch point, if you will, right? Because it was sure. definitely organic. Right. Um, we went, you know what? There is such a direct correlation to homelessness and substance use and mental illness. And we also know that most, 90% of them, had no insurance. And so to get treatment was almost impossible for most of our clients. And so when we decided that we would open up crossover, we were looking for somewhere that would be peaceful. That would be away from maybe their, their social capital, their connections. And so we chose Hildell um, as our location for crossover um, because of that. It's very peaceful and quiet and there can be a lot of healing just in hiking those hills out there. But we also focused really heavily on those that are going to be on the targeted adult Medicaid and Medicaid. And so as somebody uh, say they're, they're uh, incarcerated and the judge isn't going to let them out unless they have a treatment plan, but they don't have insurance yet. Then our role is to say, we're going to sign you up for Medicaid and we're going to get you into treatment and you're going to have a really great experience uh, through our treatment plan. We've got a super team of therapists out there. And then after that, you're still going to be connected to us and we'll become your family. And I think Truly what is a little different about crossover is we're trying to, in our population, maybe versus a uh, commercial population, you know, for, for substance use right. treatment, is that many of them have burned every bridge that they ever had, right? Yeah. And so yeah. not only were we trying to say in crossover that it links to our name Switchpoint, but we cross over to our family because you might not have anybody left. Right. And in um, poverty or homelessness, most of them don't. And so we become their family and our, and our culture is to say, we are family. We we're here for you, not just after the 60 days of treatment, but we want you to connect to switch point, start volunteering with us. Sure. I've given a lot of them jobs. Um, you know, when they, when they come out of treatment, because we know that they need that connection, that ongoing connection. And so that's really where we went. Um, I, I feel like my board and my, my staff and myself were very innovative we look at all the gaps that need to be filled in our, our in our homeless population, and then if we can't find someone else to fill that gap, we're going to do it, i.e., strictly Medicaid uh, treatment. Sure. And I'm glad that you brought up that gap because this podcast is sponsored by Steps, which is a private yeah. recovery center. Amazing people. Sure. And when we first started this thing, we started giving out the hotline that people can call in for like questions. And at the end of it, the outro says, "If your loved one needs help, give us a call." And I started getting calls. Yeah. That number is 801-410-0676. And these people were like, I, so I would refer them right to steps. And what I found out was a lot of them didn't have steps. Doesn't, they don't, they, they are, they don't have the Medicaid, Medicaid contract. Right. Right. So I literally talked to Tyler Hansen, who's been on the podcast, amazing right. guy. Right. I said, man, you know, I, my heart, right? Like I had this big heart and I, I feel bad because I feel like we're turning away these people. Sure. And he's such an amazing guy. He, he started plugging me with people around here and mm-hmm. crossover is the answer to that because right. they do have a contract with yeah. Medicaid and they can provide people that can't get into other places. Right. Yeah. 
which is amazing. I like, love that. And I had this perception that this treatment center battles for this client with this treatment center. No. It's so not like that. No. It, uh, my eyes have been opened. They go golfing together. They It's sure. very collaborative. Yeah. Sure. It's because amazing. we know we're going to see, you know, as all of us in this room know, w- one treatment is not going to cure right. someone, right? Sure. It's going to be an ongoing life battle. And so a lot of us are going to be sharing that client over and over again throughout the years. And if we work together and create that family, then that that chance of um, sobriety is so much greater. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Plus, if you look at the numbers of people struggling with substance use issues versus the number of people getting treatment, there's plenty of room for all of the treatment centers that are out there. Yeah. I've been in this industry since about 2006 and um, trying to find treatment for a Medicaid patient is difficult. It's very hard. Right? It's not that Medicaid doesn't pay. It's that treatment centers don't take Medicaid. That's because they don't pay very much. Well, right? they don't pay great. I get right. that. Yeah. Like Medicaid's not a top payer. Right. But um if you have somebody with Medicaid trying to find them a place to get treatment, it's really yeah. difficult. Yeah. And so marrying that up with our mission, which is to empower people to become self-sufficient and independent and have quality of life, um, it, it fits right in there, right? Because yeah. it's not about, um, you know, making a huge profit on crossover. It's about looking at each individual going, I know you need us and we're here. And, you know, um, we can help you, you know, get insured uh, with, you know, through Medicaid if you're homeless and let's, let's get you some treatment. And yeah. a lot of them, it's been their first time because they've never had the chance, you know. And right. they just don't know how to navigate the no. whole Medicaid thing. No. Like that's, right. that's, listen, uh, there are some great things our government does. Great things, including Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Making it, making things easier is not one of the great things yeah. our government does. Those are difficult things to navigate. And if you've been homeless for a long time now and haven't really navigated much other yeah. than trying to stay alive, right. uh, you just need somebody to hold your hand sometimes yeah. and I mean, say, I look let's back go to do Ray. this. I look back to Ray and having tried for a couple of times and you get on hold for two hours. Right. Somebody that doesn't have the ability to even charge their phone, being on hold for two hours to them, that just killed whole the whole day thing. Of phone. Right. Well, right. yeah, and, and then they think I'm not worth it. Right. I'm not worth their time because right. they won't even talk to me on the phone. And so, looking at things like that, where you think, okay, we have to become the advocate, and how do we do that? Whether it's through homelessness or through addiction or both. And then after that, what about ongoing care? What about employment? What about you know? Right. So you look at these relationship building skills. Um, and that's where we come in really strong. So I love that. Talk to us about if I go through crossover recovery mm-hmm. and I graduate the program, what's my next step? Well, next step is certainly to be involved with our IOP at Switchpoint. Um, stands for intensive outpatient. Yeah. Stands yeah. for an outpatient. Yeah. And, um, and then to getting involved with, um, the programs that are already available at, at Switchpoint. So maybe they're not just on, on addiction. Maybe they're on volunteering. Hey, we need help in our garden. Do you want to help us in our garden? So you try and get them involved outside of themselves. Um, being in service of others is a really great way for an addict to stop focusing on their own issues, yeah, right? Great point. So we try and get um, any of our graduates to get involved in, in as many things as they can. So, and we have a lot of programs that we do and so, and we need a, a lot of help, right? We need a lot of volunteers. And then at that point, if they're having still a really 
struggle with finding employment because of so many felonies and they've got, you know, so many bad references, then we'll say, all right, we're going to give you a shot. So they can work in our thrift store. They can, you know, work at our small engine repair business. They can work at our doggy daycare business. So we've created uh, four businesses now here in town that we can put these people to work and they get a paycheck and they can feel empowered that they are actually climbing out of their black hole. So you're pulling up at, you're pulling them up out of the basement, helping them build a foundation so that they can start getting those good references. They right. have employment history. That's right. They have a stable place to live. That's a game changer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. So talk to me about at what point you've got switch over going. At what point did it just make switch sense? Point. Sorry, switch you point. You just combine crossover com- and switch point, right. which was kind of cool. <laughs> Maybe right. that'll be the next business is going to be go. called switch over. Switch over. Hey, switch over. okay. And so, cross point. Yeah. I'm going to think about this. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, okay. All right. So, enough sorry, teasing Jared. you, Dr. Sellers. Okay. So you got so, switch point going. Love you, brother. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate that. And it's not just a homeless shelter. Like you said, uh-huh. talk to me. You got an engine repair shop. Yep. So mm-hmm. we opened up our small engine repair actually with one of our graduates from crossover. Really? And um, I'll tell you the funny story of it real quick is um, we were out there. My husband and I were um, out there working on uh, sprinklers or something. And uh, this uh, client of ours was fixing, and I kid you not, the lawnmower carburetor with his two long pinky fingernails. (laughs) I was like, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, oh, watch this. And and the, and the lawnmower was perfect. And we were both just like, oh my gosh. And I go, you know what we need? We need a small engine repair business. Wow. And I said, when you graduate, I'm going to hire you and I'm going to put this whole thing together. So we did. And so it's been open about a month and a half now and uh, he's doing great. Uh, and um, we just uh, last week hit our hundredth machine fixed Whoa, in, you know, in our first month. And so that was really exciting. So um, yeah, so that's one of the things, but one of one of the things that we're really, um, I think, proud of, uh, in fact, um, uh, SwitchPoint has been acknowledged throughout the state as uh, one of the innovators of, of the year, and then we're up for right now, entre- social entrepreneur of the year, um, for kind of coming up with ideas that can um, help people who have um, struggled with employment, you know, to, to get involved, right? Yeah. And it's not always about fast food. Right. You know, and I'm not right. dishing on McDonald's or right. Wendy's, no, they provide but they jobs. won't, they provide jobs, but very few of them can have a full-time job with benefits. Right. And how do you ever get yourself right. out of poverty, you know, with, with the 10 hour a week. Right. And so with our doggy daycare business, we've been open uh, three and a half years with our doggy daycare business. It's called bed and biscuits. And I'm gonna tell you anybody with PTSD usually does really well around animals. Sure. So when you're coming out of crossover and you're really struggling still with being around people, um, and that started off with a veteran who said, I can't work in the thrift store. I can't work in the thrift store. There's too many people. Oh. And I said, what do you think about your dog? I mean, what if we did a doggy daycare? He's like, oh, I can do that. And so that kind of prompted me to open up a doggy daycare business. And anyone can pick up poop, but it's right. more about the love, loving on the animals, um, and, uh, so that, that's, you know, one of our businesses we open, we're doing a groundbreaking next week on our 24 seven childcare center. And again, looking at the gaps that occur. So somebody in poverty, um, in a lot of these single parents, uh, yeah. especially have seen them through addiction where they want to get their kids back so bad, but they end up being the grave shift. 
They're the non-traditional right, right. hour worker and they're working right. weekends. Who's watching their kids? They got right. nobody unless they go back to the same group of friends watching their kids that shouldn't be watching their kids. Right. So we, um, we, we won a pitch. It was like a baby shark tank last year uh, that helped us purchase some land here in downtown St. George. And we're opening up Stepping Stones, which is a 24-7 child care center focused on um, low-income families. And uh, so, again, it'll be another opportunity for people to work there. But more importantly, for people to feel like they have somewhere safe for their kids to be while they're pulling a grave. What's that? Um, so I got in my mind, I got doggy daycare. I got small engine repair. I got um, child care. And a thrift store. Thrift store is your fourth business. Uh-huh. Okay. I, I just couldn't figure out what the fourth one was, yep. but there you go. Yep. So if listeners are listening to this and they, they want to come out and support, they can support by shopping at the thrift store. Absolutely. Using the doggy daycare, using the... Or Bring me your lawnmower, man. Yeah. yeah. The small sure. engine we, repair. Yeah. You guys don't do motorcycles, do you? Yeah. We you do, do motorcycles, Sweet. ATVs, golf carts. Nice. Wow. Sellers. Hello, sellers. Right. Bring me your golf cart. Yeah. They're yeah. doing great on the golf carts. Yeah. So. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. What's next, you think? Oh, I got two more. What do you got? Bring me on again and I'll tell you. <laughs> well, we got <laughs> one like minute. TikTok, can't like tell you yet. We got a minute. You're not going to reveal it? Nope. Oh, That's right. Gosh. She's it's keeping a secret. She's it's keeping a secret. Up her sleeve. She's trying to get another appearance on this wonderful show. I like it. Uh, so if you're listening awesome. to this. how do, Yeah, how do people get a hold of you? How do, sorry if I interrupt. No, you're you. totally fine. Is that where you were headed? Yeah, if, you, if you're listening to this and you or a loved one has Medicaid, and you need to, to get a hold of Crossover, give them a call. That number is going to be 435-429-9514. 435-429-9514. They will get you into treatment regardless, right? You betcha. Cool. Wow. Thank you so much for coming on. What a great yeah, resource. What a great resource. Yeah, yeah there needs I love to that. More you, people in the world like you, Carol. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if we had a lot more Carols, the world would be a better place. Do you golf, Carol? Um, I drive a really good cart. No, actually, <laughs> I just don't have time to golf. I like it, but um, yeah. yeah, I'm not yeah. good because I don't I don't do it very often. You're like me. You got that red personality. I like I like yeah I I yeah, yeah. I get really aggressive, <laughs> but I like to ride bikes. So my husband and I cycle. There you yeah. go. How is Bob doing? That's he's good. That's another great story someday. But um, my husband and I rode our tandem bicycle from San Francisco to Virginia in 2015, oh and we visited 19 homeless shelters. It was our first major fundraiser for Switchpoint, but it was a phenomenal experience. And at the end, then we met Senator Lee and Senator Hatch in Washington, D.C. That's amazing. Uh-huh. You, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, you Carol. We appreciate you. Hope you guys have enjoyed this one. Join us next week for episode 13. Again, if you're viewing this on Facebook, thank you. You can also pick it up on any major podcast platform. Be sure to like, subscribe, leave us a comment. Great story, Carol. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.